can't help it. I ball like a Celtic. I can't help it. Nah, I can't help it. Nah, I can't help it. I ball like a Celtic. I can't help it. I ball like a Celtic. All right, Celtics fans, we are back for another episode of Boston Celtics Game Day Recap. I'm your host, Guy DiPolcito. Before we get started today, I want to give a huge shout-out to a couple friends of mine, Boyne and my brother, Paul. Uh, they're here on the podcast today. Both helped doing the intro sounds, uh, as well as making the logo for the podcast. So excited to have them on today. Uh, before we kind of get started here, I want to go through... Really what was one of the most exciting games that I've seen in quite some time. We were very excited to have Boston Celtics basketball back. And the Celtics coming away with a massive victory against the top-seeded or the projected top-seeded Milwaukee Bucks. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, back to their normal ways. Something that I was extremely excited about seeing after a pretty horrible preseason where you saw Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown trying new things. Uh, we'll, go, we'll dive deeper into some of the stats here in a little bit, but I want to start off here and really talk about the play of two people that I am thrilled to have on the Celtics this year, and that's Jeff Teague and Tristan Thompson. Jeff Teague provided a spark that we have not seen coming off the bench in quite some time, uh, ended the game with 19 points, four assists, two steals, three rebounds. He came off the bench and really just played lights out. Uh, he provided a lot of scoring when we didn't have much of much of an option. Uh, I think he really provides the, an, a little extra oomph from you know really a second unit that we just do, we don't have much scoring in. We saw Peyton Pritchard come in a little bit, didn't have a stellar game. So we needed someone off the bench to come in with some scoring. So I'm going to toss it over here. I think it's a little – when you look at the game as a whole, Jeff Teague was just that guy. And I want to hear a little bit from both Boynton and Paul here. I guess initial thoughts from from having the first first season game where – Jeff Teague just came in and did his thing. So let's hear your thoughts. Yeah, to be honest with you, um, I was really happy with the calm demeanor that Jeff Teague brought to the second unit. Because you have Pritchard, who's a young guy. I mean, Semi Ojale is a young guy. Um, Time Lord, Robert Williams is a young guy. Grant Williams is a young guy. But Teague provided that veteran presence while you know, he was scoring, but he also led that second unit um, you know, through some big moments in the game and, and was able to establish a presence in the first half when we were down by nine points and was and we were able to come back and kind of, you know, ride the storm out and, and, and keep the, keep the wheels turning. Yeah. And I thought Jeff Teague played phenomenal again tonight. I'm really excited to have him on the Celtics and be part of this team and this run. Um, another guy, uh, Tristan Thompson, just absolutely is ecstatic for him being on the team he adds a physical presence down low. I think he's going to be absolutely huge for us, like on the boards and being physical down low. We really don't have that. Tice is more of a uh, like pick and pop guy and pick and roll up top, but having Tristan Thompson on the boards and battling down there is going to be awesome. 
Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Thompson too. One of the things that I think he brings to the team is really that defensive intensity that we see a lot with Marcus Smart, but we haven't seen in quite some time from coming from a big man. Uh, you saw him tonight a lot on Giannis, and I think he did a stellar job keeping him in front. Giannis still doing Giannis things, uh, scoring 35 points where – he didn't really look like he was doing a ton. Uh, and again, I kind of alluded to it in, in a prior episode with Tatum. You kind of blink and they both just have 30, 25, 30 points. Uh, so Giannis did his thing tonight. But I think he was forced into taking a lot of shots that you don't typically see from him. Uh, you saw him do a lot of really spin shots that you would see more from like a KG type player that Giannis really has not shown that he is capable of doing on a consistent basis. So for me, Tristan Thompson played a huge role in forcing shots that Giannis is not comfortable taking. Yes, Giannis got his, and yes, I think the Celtics did a fantastic job of shutting that down for the most part. Uh, When you look at, you know, Giannis from a effective standpoint 13 of 26 for him it's not great you know 50 percent from the for the average person is a really good night and I'm gonna take I'm gonna take that as a win for the Celtics obviously the Celtics won so it makes it even better uh the other player that I am very excited about is Marcus Smart. Very rarely are you going to get a guy coming out that deserves a Tommy point, deserves all the Tommy points on a night where the Celtics did nothing but honor Tommy. He just took every charge possible. Ended the game with three points, so did jack shit on offense, but did absolutely everything right on defense. And I'm going to toss this over here. Boyne's got a couple things to say. He was talking up, hyping up Marcus Smart all game here. So what do you got, Boyne? Oh, well, that's to the contrary. I mean, this is a typical Marcus Smart game. Um, he's a grinder. He's going he's gonna to give you everything that you want on the defensive side of the ball. But, God, he can't dribble for more than five seconds. The turnovers kill me. Um, I know he makes a ton of splash plays that, that help us in the end. But just watching him on the offensive side of the ball is... Is very frustrating, but Paul alluded to this during the game. I mean, Marcus picked up on Giannis's three moves that he has. He's got the Euro step, he's got the spin move, and then he's just going to bully you down low. And Marcus Smart, being you know a terrific defensive player, he put himself in positions where he was going to take charges, and I and I thought that was just awesome to see and helped us a lot. Yeah, I think getting Giannis off the court for however many minutes it is is huge. Uh, Marcus Smart, I believe, took three offensive charges from Giannis. I think we took another one. I think it might have been I think it might have been Shemi or maybe Grant Williams that took another one off him. Anytime you can get him out of the game, even if it's for one minute, gives the Celtics a little bit of time to breathe. I think the Bucks, when you look at their roster up and down, Jeru Holiday was a major upgrade from the Eric Bledsoe that they had last year. I mean, looking at this team right now, you've got Holiday with 25, Middleton 27, Giannis 35. 
they've got three guys that can go out and just score at will. And whenever you can have anybody on your team do something to stop them or limit them or slow them down, uh, it's huge. And I think we got a lot of that tonight from Marcus Smart uh, and really Tristan Thompson. Those were the two guys that, from a defensive standpoint, just did more than we could have asked for. Uh, And this is just a huge win. One of the things that I do want to ask both of you guys, when you look at the game from really a quarter-by-quarter standpoint, if you look at last year, year before that, the Celtics have done a really phenomenal job of stringing together three quarters. When you look at the last two years historically, it's usually first, second, and fourth quarter, we do really well. And it's the third quarter where we absolutely fall apart and blow a big lead. Tonight, it was the opposite. The fourth quarter, we were outscored 37 to 21. I want to get your thoughts here. I mean, what are some of the things that the Celtics need to do to become more consistent and stop this whole back and forth? Yeah, so I really think it's just coming out of the gate, firing after half, uh, taking what Brad's saying at half and, and putting it into action. I think we came out, we were aggressive. We hit our shots, and we just kept it rolling. Um, towards the fourth quarter, that was tough. Like, it, it, like it is very early in the season. Um, maybe the conditioning's not there. Uh, maybe their legs aren't under them when they're shooting. Uh, there's a couple things that are going to go into it, but I think that third quarter was absolutely huge. I looked at both Guy and Boynton when we were at half, and I said, this is going to be the make-or-break quarter right here. If we can do it in the third, I think we're going to pull it out. Obviously, I had no idea that this would be the outcome and how it played out in the fourth quarter, but I thought the third quarter is really where um, we solidified that big lead and gave us a little bit of a buffer going into the fourth quarter. Yeah, I just I guess my biggest thing is you know when the fourth quarter comes around, you know they're riding the momentum. It, it, it's just it's tough to see the lead shrink and shrink and shrink and I know Brad Steven wants to let the game flow and, and play out but I would have loved to see a timeout a little earlier in one of those runs maybe get a lineup that was doing well in the third quarter that was gelling um get a get Tristan Thompson in I mean he didn't have any foul problems I know I know the first two preseason games he didn't play and he probably had a minutes restriction I'm not really sure what played into that decision by Brad but I would have I would have changed it up and um I think there could have been more that could have been done, um, at least in the fourth quarter, to stop to stop the bleeding. Yeah, with Brad being uh, the game manager, it is it's tough to like seeing your team kind of lose that lead. But when we get into the final stretch, where it's the close game that it was, those timeouts are like pretty huge to have. Being able to call a timeout and drop a play with 8.9 seconds left. So, yes, there's like stopping the bleeding is very important, but also having that at the at the last couple minutes, having those timeouts where you can drop those plays, I I think was really big and I mean the play at the end of the game, I really can't see Brad Stevens really drawing up Jason Tatum <laughs> you to don't say. step back. <laughs> 
from 35 feet and bank something off the glass. But, I mean, he's a superstar. And, I Pay mean, the man. Yeah. Pay the man. He made a big shot. and At the, at the end of the day, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, they're, they're the alphas, right? And I've, I've talked about this in the last episode. If you look at the game today, Jalen Brown just seemed like he was the most efficient basketball player in the history of basketball. He hit what seemed to be everything. He was, and I think when you look at his overall game, one of the things that we've talked about in the last couple episodes, but as well as just last year, is just his inefficiency on the offensive passing assist type end of the floor. And I think he had a couple, he had, he ended the game with four assists. Uh, so he did well on that aspect. He is just taking another step. And that's something that we didn't see in the preseason much. Um, and we didn't really see much from Tatum or Brown. I mean, if you look at the preseason games. And again, a lot of Celtics fans are freaking out, thinking, oh my God, we're 0-2 in the preseason. If you look at the Bucks, they were 0-3. There's not a person alive that is going to say the Bucks suck at basketball. I mean, the fact of the matter is the preseason's the preseason. We're there to try and get some of these rookies, I guess, moving back into the rhythm of an NBA-type game. It's significantly different than college. When you look at the Celtics tonight opposed to the preseason, we saw a little bit of defensive inefficiency, which we will talk about in a little bit. But we saw both of our guys, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, take another step. And one of the things that Boynton alluded to earlier watching the game was, man, I'm glad that we have them tied up for the next five years. We have two absolute studs that are coming out playing huge. 33 points for Jalen Brown, 30 points for Tatum. Again, it's just another night where he, you blink an eye and he ends up with 30. We've got two guys that solidified themselves. And if you look at the Bucks, they've got, they've got three guys that you need to shut down. The fact that we can, as a, a fairly young team, and I'm going to harp on this the rest of the season, but the fact that we can shut them down with... You know, a myriad of Tristan Thompson, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, all of those guys. It's it's good to see for the future. And I'm very excited to to watch really the rest of that team grow around that core. I do want to ask you guys, because we saw a little bit of Pritchard tonight. I think if when I was looking at the draft. And we drafted Neesmith and Pritchard. I think if you asked any Celtics fan what their reaction was to that, they're like, okay, Neesmith's just going to be that stud. He's going to come off. A lot of people were even saying that he was potentially going to start. So if you go post-draft, Neesmith is that guy that I think a lot of Celtics fans had a huge, I guess, affinity for. They were really looking forward to watching Neesmith play. Pritchard is actually the guy that has been on the floor most of preseason and tonight, too. Neesmith didn't even touch the floor. So I want to ask you guys, I guess, first impressions on Pritchard tonight and really your reaction to Neesmith not playing 
so far? Yeah, so I think Pritchard is is trying to find his identity as a Celtic. He's obviously proved to the team and Brad um, that he deserves to be there. He deserves to be on the floor. Uh, he plays great defense. Uh, there's a couple times I saw him on the offensive side of the ball just kind of dribbling around um, kind of like a freshman in his first game in college or freshman um, like in the NBA. He's kind of just trying to find his role. I think he will as his minutes progress throughout the season. Uh, but it's it's early in the season, and uh, I think that he has a lot of, a lot of uh, growth. And then for Neesmith, like I said, it, it's it's early. I mean, Brad may not have seen a matchup that he liked with the Bucks in Neesmith. Uh, it could be simple as that. He got a lot of minutes in the preseason, um, and I I think it could have been just a, a matchup thing tonight. I don't think that he's going to be uh, a huge role with the Celtics, but um, like I said, if there's better matchups, he starts getting more playing time, and then he can start getting uh, growing and getting more experience. Yeah, I mean, you're you're completely right, Paul. I mean, I, I, I would love to see Pritchard just be a lights-out three-point shooter. I don't think the Celtics have that person on their team right yet. They haven't discovered it, but, man, Pritchard – lining up five feet back from the three-point line and nailing that. It's impressive. That was, that was awesome to see. And, I mean, I, I think uh, Naismith came out with um, the background of being that three-point shooter and maybe he can prove himself in practice and, and get some minutes. But 13 minutes from a rookie point guard, uh, it, it, it's pretty awesome to see. And I like how Brad integrated him um, and got him, you know, got him going. Yeah, and uh, like you said about the three-point shooting – uh, Teague was able to step up and play huge uh, from outside the arc. Um, but you could still see a little bit of hesitation in his game. Like he almost was questioning, like, can I shoot this? Or like, should I shoot this? Or should I get the other guys involved? And um, I think that's going to take a little bit for him to get comfortable because there are a couple shots that I really wanted him to shoot just because he was hot. Um, but seems like he passed up on, uh, just cause I don't know. I think he may be just lacking a little bit of confidence and, uh, chemistry with the team. And guys, I mean, Celtics ending the game, shooting 45% from three. That's a staggering number as a team. If you're looking at the rest of the, the rest of the season moving forward, that's the type of efficient efficiency that we're going to need. Yeah, Absolutely. If you're looking at a lot of the teams in the East, and we saw Brooklyn destroy the Warriors. Again, the Warrior, a Warriors team that isn't what they used to be. But the Brooklyn Nets are damn good. They're a good team. And we're going to need nights where we're shooting 45% from three in order to compete with them. I want to I wanna dive into a little bit of... A quick, like a kind of a season preview, per se, from the both of you. I want to hear your thoughts of, I guess, how the Celtics look after game one. Uh, before we dive into that, I do want to kick it over to our sponsor here. So we will be back in about 30 seconds here, uh, going through the rest of the season recap here. All right, we are back. Uh, talk through 
some of a season preview here. So I want to go through, I guess, kind of the Eastern Conference. We saw the Bucks tonight. We've seen Brooklyn uh, play against the Warriors yesterday in the season opener. As far as where the Celtics fit in, I want to kick this over uh, to Boynton and Paul. But when you look at the Eastern Conference and look at really the top five teams, I guess where do you guys see the Celtics fitting into this? I mean, honestly, I, I think the Celtics can be be that three and four seed. Um, tonight, the Sixers beat the Wizards. It was a close game, 113 to 107. Uh, the Raptors lost. I'm not really sure if the Raptors have a push. They've been in the playoffs back-to-back years, so they're either tired or, um, you know, I know it's the first game, but, you know, getting smacked by the Pelicans, that's, you know, not a great sign. Um you know, as those teams, I, I see Brooklyn, the Bucks, the Wizards, the Sixers, and the Celtics kind of all battling for those, you know, top one through one through five, one through six positions. And I think we have a good shot. I mean, I think 70 games makes it tougher um, to bring that energy every single game because each game matters. You have to you have to bring your A game. You have to be ready. And, you know, you can't take a night off because it, honestly, the uh, the third and fourth seed could come down to one or two games. What do you think? What do you think we need to see from Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in order to make that push? I really think it's consistency. Um, like you said in last episode, they need to be averaging in the twenty point, uh, like every single game. We really can't have like a big lack from them, especially with Kemba out currently. Um, I I think that they really need to carry the burden on their shoulders. We need to get some points and good minutes out of our bench. Um, Jeff Teague, Pritchard, um, and we really need consistent play from our bench and consistent play from our superstars with Brown and Tatum. And I think, honestly, like with the emergence of Teague, it, it allows Kemba to take a little bit more time to come back so he's finally healthy. We've never seen a healthy Kemba as a Celtics player, and I would love for him to come back, whether it be 10 games, whether it be 15 games, whatever it may be. I just want a healthy Kemba because it'll take the pressure off of Tatum or Brown where one guy, maybe he's not shooting great, maybe Jalen goes for 10 points, but Kemba can have 20. Um, and Paul talks about the consistency, but getting Kemba back and having those three guys, it it you know, alleviates the pressure that Tatum is building upon himself. And he knows that he doesn't have to night in, night out, get 30, but he can get his and also help out his teammates. Yeah. And and I'm glad you brought up Kemba here. I know I've talked about it in the last couple podcasts, but when you look at the Celtics team, I think a, a huge portion of where the Celtics fate lies is in that point guard position. Marcus Smart, as good as he is, isn't going to be that, offensive threat that we need him to be I think if you look at what he does really well is on the playmaking side you saw him with seven assists tonight I think he is probably the best pick and roll player or facilitator on the entire Celtics team and that's including Kemba so I think what we need Marcus Smart to do is exactly what he did tonight I mean he only he took three shots granted didn't hit any of them but three shots for a guy that, you know, on any given night could put up 17. 17 shots. Not even 17 points. 17 shots. So for him to end the game with three points and have as big of an impact as he did, 
That to me is huge. With that being said, I think a huge portion of the point guard strength that we're going to need is going to come from Teague in the offensive end. And Boynton kind of touched on this a little bit just now. Having 19 points tonight is exactly what we need of him. Maybe not a full 19 every night. I don't think it's fair to expect that from a 31-year-old veteran uh, that, frankly, was brought to the Celtics to be a role player. I don't think it's fair to ask him to score 19 every night. But if he can average 12, 15, uh, I would say closer to 12 is probably more fair to ask. That's going to set us up to give Kemba the rest that he really needs. And he also, you know, Wanamaker, he was a guy that was going to get you assists, tough plays, um, and, you know, he was a rock, in my opinion, the last few years, but he just was not a consistent scorer. And different I think, player. Yeah, a different player. And I, I think Teague is a step up from Wanamaker where when we keep talking about that second unit, you know, if, if, it's, if it's Teague, uh, Williams, both Williams and, and, and Shemi, I mean, you, you need Teague to give you something. You, you can't rely on those guys to create their own shot because they just haven't proved to be able to do that. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And I think when you look at the Celtics season going forward, we had obviously a very strong showing tonight. Not so much in the fourth quarter. Uh, we needed to be bailed out by a really Hail Mary shot from Jason Tatum. Uh, when you look at the Celtics season, I think a lot of it is going to come down to whether or not Danny Ainge can make that push and bring on one of those TPE-type players. And I know the entire Celtics fan crowd has been really riding Danny Ainge a lot on getting the deep, the TPE when Gordon left. The largest traded player exception in league history, $28 million. I think a, a lot of people are a little hung up on that, saying that we need to get a guy, we need to get a guy that's worth 28 mil to offset losing Gordon Hayward. What a lot of people don't understand about the traded player exception is we really can't. We don't have $28 million. If you look at our roster up and down, in order to stay under the cap, and I'm not talking about the luxury tax, I'm talking about the hard cap that's set for the league, without blowing up, our team and losing a lot of players, dropping a lot of players out of that $28 million. We really have about $18 million that we can play with. And when you look across the league at teams that have players that are really going to start blowing up their roster that need to load up on potential draft picks. There's a couple of guys that have been floating around in the, the Celtics stratosphere uh, about potential targets for the TPE. And I want to get both your thoughts on this uh, about potential potential targets. We've heard a little we've heard a lot of bit about Aaron Gordon from the Magic. Uh, we've heard a lot about Eric Gordon, PJ Tucker. Uh, one of the guys that that I think would fit in really well uh, is Buddy Heald. Uh but I guess I want to want to turn it over here and see what you guys think uh, about if the Celtics even need it, because again, it's that is also up for discussion. But if the Celtics need it, and if so, 
where do they go with it? Yeah, I mean, as of right now, we just beat the Bucks, and I'm like, you know, we don't need this at all because uh, the number one team in the East, project number one team in the East, just fell to us, and, and we look great with our bench and all this stuff, but... You know, if we can if we can get somebody, uh, I I like your choice, Paul uh, guy with uh, Buddy Heald. He's only twenty eight years old. He's a proven scorer, um, and I think that you can give up Naismith. I mean, I wouldn't want to give up on the guy, but he's a similar type of player, similar similar type of size, can score, and he's young. He's a younger version of Buddy Heald, and I think the Sacramento Kings either they're still in the rebuilding process or they want to keep getting these young guys. Um, I think that might be a good trade option if if you get rid of. Uh, Naismith, if he doesn't prove that he can do anything with the Celtics or he doesn't fit in. But if you're going to get one guy, I would go Buddy Heald just because Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker, they're old. They're they're with Houston. I, I, I'm not sure if they can give you um, something that we need right now. I'd rather get a proven scorer and, and solidify that second unit. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I think, he's, I think he's probably number one on my list. Uh, again, he fits within the limit that we have. If we were to go after an Aaron Gordon type player, we would need to we would need to figure out cap space. Not a lot because he pretty much fits within that eighteen million dollar option. But what we would need to do is figure out where we need to drop people. Buddy Hield fits within the salary cap. You don't really need to drop salary to make it work and to stay under the luxury tax. Carson Edwards is a guy that. I said this in the last podcast. I think he's just done. I do not see Carson Edwards sticking around in this league very often, as much as that pains me to say. I was a huge Carson Edwards fan in college. I know Paul was as well. Uh, But when you look at him as a Celtic, he hasn't done anything. You know, the last couple of years, he hasn't done a single thing. When he steps on the court, even in preseason, uh, took a lot of horrible shots didn't make anything work. And now we have a guy that in Pritchard that, you know, plays a similar game. He has he has a bigger build to him. He has that same, I guess, tenacity where he'll shoot from wherever the hell he wants. But he hits his shots. And on defense, he's not the liability that Carson Edwards is. So I think kind of bringing up points point where do we need to bring in a guy I don't I don't know I don't know I think Buddy Heald would be a guy that we could bring in add some scoring add some depth to the team without really giving up much Uh, and I think that's something that we would benefit from a lot of people are talking about Aaron Gordon looking at the roster right now I mean we've finally got you know, big men that can play the game. I think Adam Thompson this year was huge for us. I don't really know that adding Aaron Gordon would be a a huge play. I mean, am I am I wrong in assuming this? No, I mean, I I think I think we ride high with this win. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, and you know, in, in twenty games, if we're looking at five hundred, then of course we're going to be like, maybe we should bring a guy in that can that can give us a little something. But as of now, I mean, I I think the team is gelling well i i think that bubble did wonders for for every team in the nba i think people got to know each other better and that that's helped the celtics case because all these guys jb and jason tatum there's no i'm the star you're not the star it's 1a 1b and and everyone's kind of on board with that so i don't think we need to bring anybody in 
I think it would be a huge play. I would love to see a big guy, uh, like a dominant big guy on the Celtics. We haven't had that in a while. Going back to like the Perk days, I, f- I loved that play. Uh, having him down down low, um, bodying up people, and just being a physical presence. And uh, I mean, we I really think that we've been lacking that. I think it could play a huge role having a dominant big guy. Um, but I'm also excited to see what the the team that we can, the team that we have can do this year. Um, I think t- they I think there's a lot of like exciting plays, and. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see how the team grows together and, and goes through the year. All right, guys, in true Celtics fashion, I want to end this podcast the only way that it should be ended moving forward. And, and that's bringing in a Tommy, play, Tommy Point for player of the game here. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start here, and I'll toss it over to you guys. If you have the same as me, great. If you disagree and have another guy, even better. Uh my Tommy point goes to Marcus Smart. I think what he did on the defensive end is it, it's incredible. And I think he's putting himself into that defensive player of the year conversation again. And I said this in the last podcast about diving on the floor in preseason. He's doing it against the best player in the NBA, the former MVP. I think this is the exact the exact type Marcus Smart player that we need throughout the rest of the season. So that's my Tommy player of the game here. Yeah, if we're talking Tommy points, I mean it's uh, you could probably give Marcus Smart it every single night. Uh, he's just such a smart player. Like I said, he was learning and like throughout the game, and you could see it. You could see when he when Giannis got the ball, depending on how what his first step. He already knew that he was either going to go with a Euro or if he was going to go with a spin move, and he beat him to the spot. I mean, it was just, it's exciting to see him play defense. Um, if we're going to go player of the game, I want to, I love Tristan Thompson. I think he was a great presence uh, for the limited minutes that he had. But I'm going to go Jeff Teague. I, I think it's, it's very difficult um, to not. I mean, he added a huge spark off the bench. Um, got some big threes, um, shot outstanding um, from behind the arc. And I think that's just a huge presence, especially with Kemba out uh, at the moment. So I would say Tommy points can't go wrong with Marcus Smart, but I have to give the player of the game for the Celtics, um, not talking about Tatum or Brown, uh, to Jeff Teague. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm honestly going to have to go with Tatum. Uh, I know he didn't shoot great, but... That Tommy point is going to go to that last shot. I mean, who the hell draws that up with a backboard, bank open, three-pointer, <laughs> win the game? We wouldn't be sitting here happy. We wouldn't be smiling. We wouldn't be, you know, joking around. But honestly, I mean, Tatum proved that we can rely on him. He wants to take that last shot. And for a young guy like that, I mean, I got to give him the player of the game with, with the points that he scored and, and the minutes that he did it in. Um yeah, Jason Tatum is my my player of the game, and that Tommy point for that shot. We're just Jason. glossing over like the top scorer, Jalen Brown, like absolute <laughs> beast mode today, and just hitting every shot when we needed him. Uh, playing good on defense, got a couple blocks. 
Uh, just absolutely outstanding play from him, too. It's so easy to give him or Tatum like this every single game. So that's why I'm straying away. But, I mean, JB just balled out today. Give me give me a JB dunk against Kevin Durant, and that's my Tommy point next next game. That's what I want to see, and then JB will deserve a Tommy point. It, it's coming up next game. It's coming up on Christmas Day. JB over Kevin Durant. Wait for it. I'm glad you guys were able to join today. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review. Follow me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever it is. Make sure to join. And we're excited for a very exciting, very, very exciting Celtics season here. Talk to you guys soon. I can't help it, I ball like a Celtic. I can't help it, I ball like a Celtic.